0: The following program is brought to you by the preferred home team. Content is provided for general information only and should not be treated as a substitute for professional advice from your legal or real estate advisors. Welcome to the Real Estate Radio Hour, A forum of ideas, plans, and expert advice on all things real estate. Andy Pransky with ReMAx Advantage Plus was named Super Agent by Minneapolis St Paul Magazine. Chris Rooney of Remax Preferred is a lakeshore and luxury home specialist. Together, they cover the Twin Cities. This combined, dynamic duo has sold over 2,000 homes, ranked in the top 1% nationwide, top 10 in the state of Minnesota, and still have time to get together every Saturday to talk about real estate. Here's Abby Prasky and Chris Rooney. Denny Law. And the Real Estate Radio Hour. And good morning. Here it is, another uh, real estate show here on CCO. If you have any kind of a real estate type of question, uh, you can call Andy and Chris and uh, or t- send a text if that's uh, easier. Phone number is the same, 651-989-9226. And the text number is eight one eight zero seven eight one eight zero seven. Well, we've had some pretty nice uh, weather lately. I wonder if yes. the uh, real estate business is kind of gathering a little more excitement.
1: It's about shining just as much. I tell you, it's been a great week, Denny. There's something That's that good. goes
2: with that nice weather, though. Oh, yeah. what good that? interest rates because they've gotten a lot better. <laughs> and so that makes a big difference, too. Yeah. I mean, rates have just kind of, I mean, pummeled. Yeah. I mean, they really yeah. went down. I mean, they were at five and a quarter. Now you're at four and a quarter. No kidding. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a big yeah. difference. And a thirty and
1: a 15s are like like I don't know if they are three and three quarters that or something.
2: something? Like Who would have guessed?
1: Well, money's back on sale again, and so yeah. you're seeing people come out. I think we you know, <laughs> we were funny. We were showing the uh, the old when I started in the business. We used to have these books, Danny. We'd show people how much their payment would be. Oh, sure. And in that book, interest rates were at six percent to thirteen percent is the range. The book didn't even go below six <laughs> percent. Like that would that'll never happen. Yeah, right. And heard like that. oh, do you? Yeah. Dennis has got a little cheat card from back in the day, too. And that's exactly right. So, I mean, you know, with with money on sale right now, I think people have recognized that, again, that it will go up eventually. And here you go. Here's another chance to get in there and get that house that you've always wanted. And, it, uh, man, it's been busy. Yeah. All
2: right. I mean, well, Denny, you, you were always talking about I remember that with my parents. I mean, you had an interest rate, wasn't it? Well, I,
0: I remember I could have assumed a house, a, a mortgage at 17%. percent mm that did was you, not unusual back then. Did you, then. you pounce on know.
2: that one? No, I was thinking about. It. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, those boy. those
2: were uh, those were tough times for uh, equity building. That's but you know sure. what's funny?
1: People still buy. That this is the thing that I think that we all forget is that humans. I mean, life is going to happen with or without interest rates at whatever level they're at. So, people get married. You know, people you know die. People whatever. I mean, so houses are always selling in those markets. It's just a matter of what's affordable. And sometimes, like when you get a rate that goes up that high that fast. And that person can afford a fourteen hundred dollar a month payment, for an example, that just means that they have to buy a, a a less you know a more affordable home. So all of a sudden, it kind of puts pressure on pricing. Then, so with rates being as low as they are right now, it still allows houses to appreciate a little bit. So you can, I I, I was very pessimistic on, you know, kind of letting this year it'll price it flat, you know, instead of doing another four to six percent like it's been doing the last couple of years. I was thinking we were going to do like one to two percent, you know, and now I'm starting to feel a little better about that again. We might. uh Get a little north of that because with rates softening, people will spend more.
2: Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, inventory has been real low, real low. And uh, now it's, it's, it's going to start coming back on. People are getting their stuff. I mean, there's a lot of people that were stopped, stopped in their tracks because of all this weather, you know, and trying to get some stuff done outside. But then the ice dams and then all the melting with the water in the basement and a lot of stuff like that uh, happens. So inventory's down and, uh, you know, it kind of goes, it's a real good text question kind of playing with that. And it says that you know with inventory down, are there enough comparables for an accurate appraisal and I don't think mm-hmm. there's there's plenty enough um, data to be able to support that, but it's the data that hasn 't closed yet that needs to support it because the prices are going up and mm-hmm. especially in different price segments you know that under three hundred thousand i mean is crazy
1: well and and we I think we've talked this topic to death with appraisals but a house is not a house, you know, uh, even if it's a, you know, a three acre lot, it's not the same house, you know, in a three acre compared to three acre or one acre compared to one acre. There's so many variables there that all the variety does is lets us get more specific. The less variety we have or the less, you know, comparables we have, then the, the they're not very specific. And so then you're kind of playing that appraisal game of then they'll start getting conservative. I've watched this happen before where all of a sudden the appraisals start coming back a little more conservative because, you know, hey, that's a ranch. This is a two story. It's three acres versus eight acres, and they, they but there's nothing else to show unless you go way back, and so it just you know it's okay. We're gonna make it through it. I mean, you know, it's it's just kind of going back to what I call a normal market. I feel.
2: Yeah, that's a. I mean, that's a good problem to have though yeah. too. I mean, if you sold your house and you sold it for too much that they can't prove it, I mm-hmm. mean, that's <laughs> well. <and> there's <laughs> other ways in which to figure it out. It doesn't mean that that house can't sell. They typically have to put just more money down. You mm-hmm. can also uh, cancel out of that purchase agreement and try to sell it to someone else right. that might have more lenient financing.
1: Well, in the uh, Minnesota Association of Realtors, I think it was, that put out the article this week that was, or last week might have been, that was saying that we're trending about 14% less inventory than we had last year at this time. So it's not like it's there's nothing for sale. There's still quite a few properties for sale. It's just a little bit less.
0: What about, and you guys address this from time to time, and the reason I want to bring it up is I was talking to a young woman here at the station last week that she and her significant other want to get a house, but they're paying rent and they're saying, "Ah, the rent is killing us. It's are they going to be, given what you just said about interest rates and mm-hmm. and, and money uh, being the issue, is it a little bit easier for folks who are renting to get out of that situation and, and, and own their own home?
2: Yeah, it definitely. And I'll tell you, but what's happening to the renters is that These investors have been sitting on the sideline for a long time, haven't been able Mm -hmm. to get their money out of it. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden, like, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm done with Uh. this. I mean, there's so many rules with it now, you know, and if people don't pay, it's hard to kick them out. I mean, it's it's crazy. And so what people are saying is let's get rid of them. So now Mm -hmm. it's getting rid of the rentals. And that, I think, is the problem. That's why rental prices are so high.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, we average about 5%. We've talked about this, too, with 5% is kind of our average in the Twin Cities that every year that rent keeps going up. Across the board, maybe not specifically to somebody listening, but I mean, across the board, that's the average. And so that will probably continue as long as it's allowable until rentals, you start seeing vacancy rates go up. And, and right now they're just ridiculously low. That's why you keep seeing apartment buildings being built because people are just saying, you know what? Hey, I'm okay with that. This is a different... And I'm, and it's not just in like... Apartments are not just being rented at affordable levels. It's luxury stuff too. Yeah. I mean, people just want that freedom of the, I'm only going to stay here for a year. I'll sign a, a one-year lease and decide what I want to do, you know, see if I like the neighborhood, see if I like the area. And so that, that's, uh, you know, I don't know.
2: And I think renters usually get caught in, you know, they're paying so much for rent, they can't save any money. Uh-huh. And they don't have a down payment. But, you know, with interest rates being low and there's down payment assistance programs, and there's also mm-hmm. um, like USDA. I mean, now you're not going to be down in the city, but you got to kind of move out into a more rural area. And a rural area is not that far. It's like a bell playing. You know, like wherever. I mean, that's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's not that far to be able to get USDA money where you don't mm-hmm. have to put any money down.
1: Yeah, thats so. I mean, literally zero money, Danny. So, I mean, like, you know, back wow. in the day when that was like a fantasy for us. Yeah. Remember back? Well, that still is is live and well. And you're still in what I'd call the the inner, or not inner circle, probably a third-tier circle around the city so you could still commute. And with, you know, gas prices, what they are, a lot of people don't mind the commute. Now, as soon as gas prices go up to about 4 bucks a gallon, those outer tiers cool off pretty fast. And then I everybody, its it's interesting how weird how our, Habits follow our wallets.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, you know, we're going to talk a lot about today, um, get into it, unless the phone calls and stuff take us another direction. But a um, lot of little tips on, on your house that maybe you don't find when you Google, um, but things that we found that are um, that, that really help uh, mm-hmm. the sale value and little little tricks of the trade. Mm-hmm. And one of these, uh, a question just came in as it says, is it true you should paint your walls a neutral color for resale, including the kitchen. What do you think? Neutral Mr. color.
1: You know? Yeah, I'm always neutral. I think that that, and then have fun with your pillows and your colors, your <clears throat> fruit basket on the counter, or the flowers, or whatever. And that's where you put your punch of color in there. I think.
2: And I think what they're saying too is that when you, it's throughout the whole place. And if you take it from room to room, the problem is, is if you do different colors in different rooms, it makes it look smaller. You know, so if you do a neutral and it goes throughout the whole thing, it it makes the home appear bigger. So yeah, yeah. that is something that we do. But it's not just you know white. You know, there's there's different colors. Uh, we've been using a lot of clay beige. If you it's yep. called clay beige. If you go um, if you have some oak colors in there, mm-hmm. um, and it looks great. It it really kind of uh, makes the wood look better. And I mean, and it's it feels like it's Warm. updated. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I think that warmness is is. Key Because, you know, you want people to come in there and feel like they're comfortable, and that's that's feeling at home, which makes people write offers.
0: All right, tell you what, let's take a quick break here, inviting our listeners to join in on the conversation. If you have a real estate type of question, call it in or text it in, 651-989-9226. Text is 81807. And good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show here on CCO. If you have the, that kind of a question, 651-989-9226. Text, in the meantime, is 81807, your real estate questions via text. Chris and Andy in studio, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of once in a while you guys come up with not just you because you've been in the business for a while, so you know some I don't want to say tricks of the trade but you you kind of know some ins and outs that
2: that will help the homeowner sell their particular product. Well, and I think that's because I mean when you're working with buyers constantly and you hear them talk about the same thing yeah. and then you you figure out wh- why they're saying that and what leads them to that. And I think that's the most important thing when you're selling your house you got to think like a buyer does and think like a buyer that's buying your home not that's buying a different home and that I mean and that's what I think you find on the internet. You know, they kind of got to mm-hmm. hit everything, and so I think in an individual home, um, it, it makes a big difference on who your buyer is.
1: Well, right, and I think that there's also limitations that you have within the parameters of an investment. Like, we don't want to have somebody spend, you know, let's say they spend a, a 50 or a hundred thousand dollars on a kitchen remodel bathroom combo, and then they get back 60 or, or you know, 30. And and so some of these improvements don't necessarily add, give dollar, dollar, dollar for dollar back, but let me give you an example. Let's say you have a million dollar house, potentially a house that's worth a million, and the way you're going to sell it, you're going to get 600. So now you put that 100 into it, you might get closer to that million. You know, and in that scenario, that investment might, you know, yield you a better return versus the house where you're pushing yourself over the, the uh, value for the neighborhood. You know, if your house is worth 300, you do a hundred thousand dollar remodeling, you're not going to get 400. You're going to probably get 310 or 320. You know what I mean? Because that's all the neighborhood can bear at that time.
2: You know, though, sometimes I, I've had luck with those kind of houses. You know, everyone says, oh, I don't want to be the most expensive house in the neighborhood. But I'll mm-hmm. tell you what, some people do. And they want the nicest so house in re- the neighborhood.
1: So you're giving them the nicest – really? Well, yes. Well, and no. For a long-term hold, though, not for a short-term.
2: Exactly. Right? Okay. But it's, it's kind of like, all right, do I want – I mean, do I want some real nice stuff? Because typically what happens in that situation mm-hmm. – so say it's in that 300 and you got 400 into it, you know – it's it's one of those things that gosh I could go to another neighborhood that I could get for that you know three fifty that's not going to get me as much and I'm going to probably get this one for three fifty mm-hmm. and it's going to give me a lot more. So being the biggest home in the neighborhood or having the most stuff, I mean, a lot of people move into homes and then they remodel them and have more money into that anyways. Yeah. And so I think there's a way in which to be able to say, hey, you know, yeah, they got four hundred into it, I'm getting three fifty. I would have done that. Everything's done. I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Get low rates like we have right now. I don't think it, it it doesn't hurt you, you know, because I don't think I mean in Minnesota it's not like hey it's just this little neighborhood people justify and mm-hmm. when they justify they look at it and say you know what gosh I could do that but geez I'd have to pay four hundred there I'll take it here for three fifty kind
0: of like what Andy was suggesting too if if I'm going to be uh, staying in the home mm-hmm. for a long period of time hey I, I'm going to enjoy this
1: time time usually heals all financial yeah. mistakes usually. Yeah.
2: Yeah, usually, uh, you hit that right on the nose. I usually, I'm, I think too many people, and I was—I was the perfect um, test case for this—is that I only did things that I knew were going to make me money, yeah, rather than enjoying it. <laughs> and then you kind of put everything in it when it comes time to sell because you need to do that, and then you never enjoyed it in the first place, right, right? You know,
1: so. But you know, think about like a kitchen. So we've talked about this before, where you know you say like looking at that remodel job again, and you look at. Things like, for example, moving the sink, which is one of the first things designers seem to always like to do. And then let's move the windows and let's do – all of a sudden, that's where those costs are going kaboom through the roof because now you're addressing electrical, plumbing, uh, framing, windows, siding. siding. Yeah, you got it. And so all of a sudden then, yes, it's different for you. But remember, it's different for that new buyer coming in without anything being even moved just by simply remodeling that kitchen. And a lot of times I think the other mistake that we're making is that a lot of times uh, we'll go down to the do-it-yourselfer store and we buy the cabinets that look pretty. But behind the prettiness, there's actually not a lot of quality. And and that's one of those things, too, that I'll tell you what, if you are going to spend the money, make sure the people that care about cabinets really care about cabinets. So I've, I've noticed that with new construction. They'll come in, they look at the drawers, they look at the construction of the drawer, then they open up the cabinet. Is there backs in it? No backs. Is it just a drywall, you know, uh, back? And is it painted? I mean, some of these builders that we even shop nowadays don't even paint the backs of the cabinets, which and everybody says, oh, that's a quality thing. Well, the cabinets are up before obviously the walls are painted. So
2: yeah. Sure. anyway. Yeah, you know, other things uh, that you talked about, little, little tricks and things like that. Um, I, I'm really big into like storage rooms and, and what you put in those storage rooms and closets. So whatever that closet is meant to be. If it's a kid's closet, then kids' clothes go in there, not all your luggage and oh, yes. mom's extra dress. You got to keep it all the kids' stuff because what it does, it makes people think that, okay, there's not enough storage in here. And then the other thing is, is when you do have that storage room, don't let stuff hang over the shelving. That's kind of one of my big things because yeah. it looks like then there's, it just, it looks cluttered, though. messy. But if, yeah, but if you have a, all boxes in there that just don't go over that shelf, you're going to be fine. And people yeah. are like, oh my, look at all this storage. So it's kind of a little trick, even though if you don't have a lot, but just you got to make them think that hey, so, this is where the kids' clothes is, and right. that's where the Christmas decorations. So,
1: an interesting—I uh, see this quite a bit with houses that have you know more efficient-sized bedrooms. They'll take the closet doors off, and then they put the closet doors in the basement, or they—they they don't remember where they went, or they get lost, and so they put up the curtain rod, and then they actually have drapes. What's your thoughts, Chris, on that? Because I, I've, I'm telling you, I see that in probably half the houses I show that are under 350 It's a very – because the doors can't open without hitting something, so they take the doors away.
2: Yeah. What are your I, thoughts on that? I've actually done that on a couple mm-hmm. um, flips. I, I didn't really like doing it, mm-hmm. but I'll tell you what. I mean, the cost was there, and that – I mean, it is your bedroom, and right. I think people are looking for more efficiency rather than – um, hey, it's, it's where all my friends are going to hang out with me right. or where we're we going to watch TV.
1: Or those night? big clunky bifold doors anyway that the kids rip off the things and they're hanging there broken anyway. So, mm-hmm. And then people repurpose those closets as well. They'll start doing desks in there. So they do a 50-50 combo of clothes and desk area or computer and so there's a lot of ways to repurpose those spaces.
2: And it's a lot better than, you know, the stickers and posters that were on them that are ripped off. And then, that's all the there. And then that kid that got mad and punched a hole in it. And then it doesn't match the <laughs> other one. See You've room. seen yeah. it all. <laughs> I tell
0: you what, we need to take a break. We do have another half hour of the show to go. So if you do have any kind of a real estate question, call it in or text it in. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to our real estate show here on CCO. Chris and Andy in studio. If you do have that kind of a question, text it. At 81807 or call it in at 651-989-9226. Chris and Andy, what do we have? you want to grab a text or Yeah, two? we're
2: getting text messages. Are agents, employees, or independent contractors with the broker? Uh, independent
1: contractors. Independent
2: contractors, absolutely. But they have to work under a broker to be able to sell real estate in Minnesota. Key you
1: supervision, right? Isn't that the phrase they use? It's a... Uh, the broker yeah. provides a supervision of all transactions, yeah. and so ultimately, well, the broker is responsible for that transaction yeah, and that agent. Yeah, and a real estate agent is really considered to be a salesperson underneath the broker. The broker is responsible for the transaction. So, even though you're meeting the the individual realtor or whatever, that that it's actually the brokerage you're making the contract with.
0: So that's kind of that's the law in Minnesota. Yeah. Oh, right,
1: and that's why some of those brokers do control like the commission rates, where some brokerages will not let commissions you know fluctuate; they keep them at a certain level. And then there's other firms like, you know, like REMAX where it's independent where we actually can fluctuate. We're independent business owners and the brokerage lets us, you know, set our own rates. The brokerage has nothing to do with that.
2: Okay. Interesting. Okay. Uh, when you need money from your current house to buy your next house, how do people deal with the stress of not knowing if a great house will be available in the time that you need to find it?
1: <laughs> it sounds like every one of my customers. Um <laughs> They no, said, that's it. Hey, Sandy,
2: we'll talk to you this afternoon. Yeah, see
1: you in twenty minutes. Uh, no, the uh, the the that's the truth with everyone right now. I think that there's if you have the ability to buy a house before you have the uh, need to sell, is the easiest way for you to make a move in this kind of an environment. If that's not comfortable for you, you choose not to do that or whatever. Then it, it's like two moving cars going in the opposite directions to try to time a closing of a sale and time of the buyer. It's not like it used to be where we can slow everything down and it literally step from one to the other. Now they're moving kind of quick. And uh, it, I generally tell people, let's get your house sold, um, and then let's find temporary living. When we go to buy, we can make the buy happen a little faster. That usually seems to be a 30-day, 45-day close. So...
2: But I think people don't do not do it because they don't understand that they right. can do it. Right. And like I was saying, is that you, you could buy a – purchase a home. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways in which to finance it, even yep. if you don't even have any money. But if you have equity in your home, there's ways in which to be able to qualify for that next thing. And that's what we go over and kind of basically say, hey <laughs> – here, here's the story. First of all, you got to have an honest uh, assessment of what your house is worth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And know that, you know what? Hey, it's going to be, you're, you're going to sell between 280 and 300. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's 280. Okay. And now it's like, hey, I want to go buy that $500,000 house. Let me grab the equity out of here and finance that. What you're doing is now you're deciding on how long that house is going to take to sell. And if it 's priced right and it 's in that mm-hmm. price range you 're going to be out of there in sixty days, yep. so it 's really two months of payments difference, and so it might be five to seven to ten thousand dollars and is that worth it to be able to go buy your dream home and be able to negotiate because you 'll probably get that off the
1: other house that you 're buying well said, yeah. yeah, I agree with that a thousand percent I think that there's other ways people don 't realize that they can do like some even like with building a new house, a lot of the builders that we 're currently working with in today 's market will allow you to come in with a contingent offer upon the sale of your house as long as you have a decent real estate agent or the builder's real estate agent can actually get that house listed for you. So the builder has a confidence that house will get sold and they'll take the risk with you Mm -hmm. with a small deposit that like a a HELOC, you know, the home equity line of credit will come in off of your existing house to give the builder the deposit and get the builder started. And uh, so that, so building is actually really an easy one to do because then we can also, the builder will time the closing where, Hey, we're out 60 days guys from closing. You should probably throw your house on the market Get it on the market, we get it sold, and then we can – that is a little easier to time. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and just – I mean, to me, it's, it's about getting the information to make a informed decision. And I think people right. just don't have it. And I think if we, you give it to them and you explain it to them, then it totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, we got more. Uh, why don't we do the phone call? Sure.
0: Let's see who's on the line. Clarence is calling from St. Paul. Clarence, you're on CCO.
2: Uh, what, what do you guys think of a room addition where you take a kitchen and make a an eat-in kitchen with a full size kitchen table? Uh,
1: from from what?
2: Well, from a uh, value to the house standpoint, do you think that's a uh, something that people want?
1: Well, so you uh, sure, but what are what are you uh, what is do it, you currently have Frank right Saint now is Paul. what I'm asking you. So is it a is it an older home with a smaller kitchen and you're trying to Old, older them?
2: homes that have a, a little breakfast nook, or they have yeah. a, a space for about a two-foot by four-foot table yeah. and not not a real kitchen table. You got it. Absolutely. I think that it's it's a very good idea uh, mm-hmm. on those. Or, you know, or you open it up to that dining room, because typically there's a yep. dining room that's on there, but you can open it up to that and utilize that space.
1: It does, you know, Chris, it brings up a real interesting conversation with, you know, the way people live nowadays is different than they used to, in the you know, back when, when those houses were built. So the formality of having a formal dining in a butler's pantry or a smaller galley kitchen where somebody else was making your dinner, now the homeowner sometimes or ninety five percent of the time is making their own dinners and they love to be in the kitchen. You know, it's 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 actually a, like a hobby for a lot of people is is cooking. And then, like we were talking with you know uh, Dara last week, we were saying the um, the different styles of kitchens and how it enhances the house values. And it's it's I, I, Clarence, I think it's a great idea to always enhance the kitchen. Build a beautiful area for the family to enjoy a dinner, or have a big enough space where they can entertain. And that's a and it's a, a great differentiator
2: investment. between your home and the other ones, for sure. Because a, a lot of them are like that. And that makes a big deal. But I'll tell you, the other thing is, is that you you know you don't have to put in foundations and stuff. Sometimes you can cantilever it out. Sometimes you can use a bay window that's mm-hmm. going to give you enough um, area to be able to kind of make that impact as well. Well, you know what's
1: funny is that we uh, sometimes we'll do the four season porch style where they're put out on on uh, you know legs. And they have the footings going down. But, boy, there's nothing better than when you go down into a basement and they have that area excavated and that now you have a new spot in your basement that actually is updated and nice and clean and dry.
2: Andy, remember that house we talked about last week or I talked about that was the super, super clean one that yeah. had six bedrooms upstairs? Yes. They just sold it.
1: Well, congratulations, guys. That's awesome.
2: So they think that when you talked about swimming in the, the pool rather than a tub, I think that helps sell it. Danny,
1: we had one of our <laughs> listeners come out to the open house last week and said, "You know, you guys are pretty decent sized guys." He goes, "I thought that was the funniest thing you ever said when we, I made a reference that we wouldn't have a tub; we would need a pool in the basement <laughs> for Chris and I to fit into and, and a, together. Yeah. That is, <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. football players. Well, that's congrats. what happens.
0: Congratulations to that. Uh, yeah, straight guys. That,
2: that is yeah. fantastic. Um, okay, what? Uh, Did we? Did we kind of? You covered that. that. I don't know if you finished that or not about the (laughs) money. Maybe
0: rephrase it. and Maybe we could. it. no, we did. We
2: did. We just basically said, uh, talk to a lender, you know, and figure (laughs) out that hey, if you can qualify and get that money out and what it really will cost you, it'll it'll work out for you. Well,
1: I would say that that's the difference between a local lender that you can meet with versus the online lenders that are out there that are just doing the refis because there is a difference, guys. I mean. You sit down with you know Travis Whitford here with uh, Bay Equity. He's the kind of guy that'll sit down, strategize, show you how and where to get those uh, dollars that are, and also with the fees that are minimal. And that's the thing that I've I've really prided with with the two of us when we've worked together over the years, is that you know he can find money that's affordable that actually makes things make sense. Versus you know you go independently and you do it on your own. And, you know, banks do work together, by the way, too, so that they can actually get a, you know, HELOC from one bank. The, they're the lending on the mortgage. They work together. They make sure that you're getting minimal fees on things, and they bundle everything together, which is really cool.
2: Yeah, totally. Okay. Has the quality of modular homes improved over the last 15 or more years? Mm-hmm. I think it depends what you think of modular as well because, I mean, there's a lot of um, buildings that come out in, like, wall sections. You know, it's not just like half a house comes Mm -hmm. on a on a trailer. But what do you think? I I
1: tell you what, though, I I um we have a couple of our friends that are up on the horseshoe chain up in uh, St. Cloud, and they all bought um cabin style trailers for. And I mean, this is off topic a little bit, but just for a second, entertain me. Granite countertops, cherry cabinets. I mean, we're talking wood floors, big vaulted ceilings, lofts. I mean, these are they pull them in on wheels, but these are the most beautiful little cabins I've ever seen. You know, for under hundred grand. Now, when you talk about like, are we talking about like a a mobile home or are we talking about like modular? To me, modular is where they're bringing houses out in pieces and actually using a foundation and putting it together on site. I think they are some of the highest quality built homes because they're built in a dry factory environment. They're brought to site. They're put together faster. So you're not exposing a lot of those materials to the the elements elements for 30 days. So you're getting them buttoned up quicker. Um, I think, you know, but it's still confusing to most of us when we put it together because we don't think it's, I don't know. I don't know, because it comes from a factory. Maybe it's less of a quality, but that's not the case at all. Well, and they're super efficient with their lumber usage, too, by the way. They don't have the dumpsters full of lumber on the oh, job site.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, they actually are very efficient with all their cuts, and they order it from the mills that way. So anyway.
0: All right. We need to take a break, but we'll be back with more. If you have a real estate type of question, call it in or text it in 651-989-9226. Again, text number is 81807. Good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our Real Estate Show. Chris and Andy in studio. If you have uh, that kind of a question, call it in, text it in. We have a line open. Or again, if it's easier, send us a text. That number is 81807. Talking a little bit about... Kind of the tricks of the trade, yeah. among other things. We're getting a lot of questions about uh, we. all I'm sure you guys, kitchens, right? Isn't that like the biggest topic when you get asked about? It's a big yep.
2: resale part. I'll tell you yeah. that. Part of the and home. I'll tell you, yeah. With that kitchen too. I mean, if you're going to redo it, I mean, there's ways in which to do it for a lot less expensive, and and one is just keeping the boxes of yeah. those cabinets and getting new doors. Resign. You know, yeah, mm-hmm. and then you can always add some stuff to that, other boxes to that. It'll still cost you a lot less, and then the other part is, is that you know you're, you're talking about windows. You know, if you if you mm-hmm. move the window loca- location, that that's a tough one because then you're patching and then maybe you're painting or doing new vinyl or right. whatever. But if you just extend that one window that you have and mm-hmm. make it a lot bigger and have less uppers and get more light in there, right? I mean, it's well. Usually,
1: going bigger, yeah, you're just cutting away what's already there versus moving. Your, now you're trying to match materials. Which can make the whole back side of the house have to be, you know, skinned or whatever you want to call it. So, um, but that, you know, I think of like the cheaper things we were talking about. This in bathrooms having the highest visual impact for someone when they walk in there. What is that? And for the least amount of money possible, is when I walk into that do-it-yourself store. That's what I'm looking for. You know, things that can make people go, "Wow, that's cool. That's different. Look at the way they did this. Look at the way they did that." You know, um, something as simple. I know Chris, you normally are the one that says this. The tile backsplash, for an example. And it's, it's such a cool thing to do. And if you do it, even doing it yourself, um, as long as you have straight grout lines, you can usually do that for hundreds of dollars. I mean, I think most contractors are $1,000, 1500 to put a tile backsplash in. So if you can't do it yourself, let them do it. Great, great impact. Low but voltage if it, lighting. If it's,
2: if it's not straight, then it's kind of a classic feel. And so then it feels classic. like it's really older. Looks like I was settled. <laughs> but it gives it that old feel that hey, this thing's going to stand forever.
1: Yeah, and then okay. half of the tub are hanging on the countertop. Okay, tub.
2: I got a. We got one here. Uh, they live in a townhome where it's all retired folks. They want to redo their bathroom. They want to know if they should keep the tub for resale. Right now, only the grandkids use it, and they're all like five hundred thousand dollars and up. I'll tell you what. I in that situation, I would try to keep it. Mm-hmm. I would not. I would try to do a standalone tub, and you can get a little smaller with that, and you can kind of maneuver it rather than the built-in tub. Um, and then, just make a separate shower, and maybe not as big, but i would I would yeah. keep and,
1: and it understand up. who your audience is too i mean i 've seen it where you know you do the kind of the roman looking bath where they 'll actually put like a soffit around the the you know the the tub itself and do a couple pillars. Well, the pillars can work as a structural thing, so instead of having the handrail there, you use something like a pillar for an example, that can help somebody get their way in also consider when you 're building that stuff. A lot of people like to sit and spin if they're getting into a bigger tub. So if you don't have an easy way into the tub, people won't use it. If, it, if it's accessible and, and functional, I think that would be a, an important piece with that as well.
2: Text question. Sidewalk is is sinking. Uh, by the gar- garage floor is awful. Is there a repair? Replace? Gutters. I mean, at that point, I mean, again, depending on uh, price range that you're in, it might be prudent to just be able to take the whole thing, the whole garage and that Front sidewalk, mm-hmm. you know, and just redo the whole. But thing.
1: so, for an example, like a garage floor in a normal garage, let's say it's a you know a three thousand to six thousand dollar problem. I mean, to have it ripped up, pulled out, repoured, um, it, you know, is the return there? And I don't know if it is, but I tell you what, is there is the now they don't have the concerns about what that is. A lot of times that's cosmetic because it is water. The whole last hour before us was talking about water. Water can be your enemy, especially when you don't have the right gutters getting the you know the the water away from that house the water gets into those sidewalks makes a sidewalk heave you know like this time of year every almost every house we look at has a heave sidewalk in some spot in the driveway or the or the sidewalk garage floors and then everything ha- come back in a month when the, the, all the frost is out, everything settles back down again. So it's just if you can get that water out of there before it gets underneath there, before it freezes, we're usually okay.
2: And, you, and when you say if, if there's return on it, you're going to spend $8,000 to rip that out and put a new one? Uh-huh. Are you going to make 8000 No. But I guarantee you, you will make more than 8000 on the price because someone else is going to come in. And if it, they don't like it and it's like, oh, my gosh, mm-hmm. it's terrible, and it sits for a long time— mm-hmm. That little garage floor is going to cost you. So now grand. we're
1: talking my alley. So let's say we do that garage floor. You spend eight thousand. What if you spent twelve thousand and you had the epoxy that looks like granite put down? Uh, Denny has waste a of buddy. money.
2: No, just no, no, no. Are you fooling not. me? It's awesome. I, I literally no. my
1: jaws on the table. I, I that is my favorite thing. I walk into a heated though. garage. That has, I mean, now that's the kids' party zone. That's the, you have a holiday, you can the heat home. the garage, and that floor is clean and it's, oh my gosh, we use it all the time, our garage space.
2: Let me re clarify. I also put I was speakers saying.
1: in my garage, I have cable TV I, in my garage. I know, but so. I
2: was thinking it was a, a lower priced home. Oh, sure. And so if you add that to it, I mean, yeah, it's, it's super nice, but you hey, get the payback. Because those
1: it. people like the party too.
2: Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Actually, probably more. You know, the younger crowd, you know, you get that first-time buyer. The garage is a nice space to fix.
0: Let's go to the phones. We have time, I think. Yes. Uh, Frank is calling from Eden Prairie. Uh, Frank, what's your question, please?
1: Yes, I have a question
2: about uh, senior living. Uh, They're building a uh, huge five-story building in Chanhassen with an Aldi's underneath. Uh, What would you consider that versus just an ordinary
1: apartment?
2: Well, I think it becomes a lifestyle, you know, kinda of looking what you mm-hmm. want uh, out of it, but um, it's gonna it's gonna bring more money uh, mm-hmm. in in the future, and uh, I think I I like those. I think it well, keeps you active and stuff too.
1: Well, what do you think the word senior living adds to the rent price every month? A thousand bucks? Yes, honestly, really? Yeah. Oh yeah, just because it's senior living. Now, what does that mean? Is it just because everybody in the building is a certain age and older? And and why do you want that? You know, is, you know what I'm saying? So it's like really look at and research, you know, Frank. What I would look at is that sometimes just getting into an apartment if you're coming from a single family home, try apartment living first, see if that's comfortable for you. Then if you feel like, "Hey, I'm not I don't got enough buddies hanging around in the apartment building, I want to play cards, go to lunch, whatever, go fishing." And uh, then maybe that senior living is the next step, but it usually comes with a higher price tag.
2: Yep. Okay, why do some homes qualify for FHA financing and some do not? Uh, a lot of times it, it's based on the appraisal, and they're just a little, because it's less money down, they're a little more picky on on things like chipped paint. I mean, that's, that's kind of a big thing.
1: Was that um, for, con- did, was that, I'm sorry, I, wasn't was that, I should be listening.
2: Why do, why do some homes qualify for FHA and some do not? Oh, it's sure. It's due to repairs.
1: It's because there's such a little investment done by the homeowner that the investors want to make sure that the house is perfect almost perfect.
2: And the one thing is about the appraisal. Now, a lot of people put this in other purchase agreements, but um, in an FHA appraisal, it states there's an escape clause. And what that mm-hmm. is, is that if the house doesn't appraise for what you paid for it, you don't have to purchase it. Correct. And then that the interesting thing is, is that appraisal with FHA sticks with it for six months. Yep. So if you get a bad appraisal that's low, you're not going to be able to have someone else do FHA financing with it if you want to get a higher price. For six months after that.
1: Yeah. Know, so. that's, well, and you know, condos um, are something else too that, you know, before you go looking, if you're going to use FHA as your financing vehicle, you do want to make sure that those buildings are approved ahead of time. And they the buildings do have to pay to stay uh, on that list. And so some of them will drop their FHA or VA status because of cost. Um, and they say, "Oh, it doesn't cost anything." It costs something the second you have to talk about it. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. they mean just from an administrative perspective, maybe not from a fee. But a- yeah,
2: there's a question here: is, is there a primer that you can put on woodwork so they don't need to sand it? That's probably for Andy Lindis. It is, but I, I think <laughs> Andy Long probably like you, like you, you the
0: cupboard doors. Um, I don't know. It might be more efficient. You got to clean them. You got to pre- prime mm-hmm. them or a prep them before. And uh, I don't think there's any magic. Uh, you know, there's yeah. liquid sander, you could do that first, but uh, it's like a friend of mine said, you can paint a couch if you want. Yeah, <laughs> but exactly. it's, it's not, true. not, not, go, not true. gonna work. Yeah, what, would exactly. you, what would you, what would you tell What would you <laughs> tell a client? <laughs> See, I want to fix up my kitchen, but I don't want to go to that expensive <laughs> refacing. Uh,
2: can I just slap some primer and paint? Absolutely, I mean, it's still probably look better, um, than. I mean, but it's it's obviously it stages in what you yeah. want to get in a return. Well,
1: you know, and that's – we used to jokingly say this is kind of like, you know, if you kind of have a little piglet there, you put, you know, earrings on it, it's still a piglet. So make sure that you have the um, – if you're trying to fancy up something that's really – can't get too fancy, you know, just be careful. I'd say because I, I – I, the worst thing in the world is when you're masking – you know, and, and you weren't implying that by any way. I'm just saying that I hate it when I look at painted cabinets and you're like, yes. these are garbage. And they're going to come out anyway, so the painting didn't fool me kind of a thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Fire yeah. I, I was in a, I was in a house uh, just yesterday that um, it, they haven't lived in it for a year. And it, it's, I mean, it's dated and everything like that. But there's still ways that you can do that. Now, so this person, what we said is get everything out. That's the other thing. If it's going to be vacant, make it completely vacant. Ah. Don't leave stuff in the garage because what it does, it makes them think. They're Like okay, what's going on here and what's happening? Yeah, and so you can make it as big as possible by getting that out. And then we said uh, we found out there was wood floors under some of the uh, in the bedrooms, and that carpet needs to go anyway. So we took out that to be able to try to give it value, and then just deep clean it, and it you'll makes a world. Of yeah, difference. and people will grab it because it's in a great area.
0: We have to uh, head out of here. We're just about out of time. A seconds to go. How do we get in touch individually with you guys?
2: Uh, Andy's not listening, but He's not. I, you can go <laughs> to chrisrooney.com to find me.
1: Yeah, go to praski.com. Tomorrow we're out in uh, in North Point. We actually have a wine and cheese party again at one ah. of our houses under 400000 We also have a cute little rambler being built we'd love to tell you all about.
0: All right. And how do we get in touch with you now? chrisrooney.com. Just ask. <laughs> yes. Up. Andy and right. We'll see you next week here on CCR.